Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on wins for Ram and Hodgegaard, hear from England Golf Chief Executive Jeremy Tomlinson and preview the Tour Championship. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Tightlist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit tightlist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. With me, Elliot Heath, there's no Tom this week, so I am in the presenter's chair, joined by Nick Bonfield. You all right, Nick? Hello, Elliot. I am fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Uh, long bank holiday weekend, so getting back into the swing of things this morning. Um, yeah, what did you get up to at the weekend? Oh, it was quite a busy one for me. Um, unfortunately, I had my grandma's funeral on Friday. Then Saturday, I went off to Oxford for a couple of days with my girlfriend, which was nice. Did some punting, which looks quite easy. But let me tell you, it's very difficult, especially the steering part of it. And I managed to block the river on more than one occasion. Which was quite <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> and then I came back and saw a friend on Sunday night who uh, lives in Colombia, but he's back in England for the time being. And then Monday I had a family thing, so it's been quite eventful. I'm almost quite glad that the working week's back again, so I can settle back into a, into a routine. What about you? Oh, nice. Uh, what did I do? Let Sunday. me get golf and probably a barbecue at some point, even though it was very cold. Well, yes, I did have a barbecue on Sunday evening, got very drunk, came back home and watched an amazing finish of the PGA Tour. And I played golf yesterday, so... Yeah, got the club championships this week. It's going to be really hard. We've just played, well, we played off the back tees at West Byfleet for the first time. And it's like six and a half thousand yards. And some of the holes are absolutely ridiculous. One of them, uh, 15, has gone from like 420 to like 465. That hole, that's a brutally narrow hole as well. I always struggle with that one. Yeah. And obviously, like this week, they're going to put like silly pin positions in. Uh, the rough is not going to be cut. So. Yeah, should be fun. Gonna be tough. I mean, what what's the what's the format for the club championship? Uh, so the top twenty gross scores make it through to the second round on Sunday. So the first round's on Saturday. And who's the favourite? Keith Waters. There's a guy, Nick Flynn, who played in the English amateur recently. Uh, he is off plus one or plus two. But yeah, Keith Waters, the European Tour's second in command, who uh, obviously had a very successful career on the European Tour back in the. 80s and 90s um so yeah he's got a very good chance but definitely not me i'll be very happy to make it to the top 20 i think oh fingers crossed you never know and typically when your expectation levels are quite low you end up playing quite well so hopefully i haven't just jinxed you there by saying that <laughs> yeah oh i also went for a, a fitting last week with honma mm. oh it's absolutely amazing have you ever had a fitting before i've never had a fitting no shamefully no uh, yeah listeners i would recommend that the the people there were so shocked that I'd never had a fitting before. And I didn't realise I needed upright irons. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's just fascinating. Like Because the more flat your delivery is, I think, the further right the club face aims. So basically, because my irons were too flat for me, I was just hitting everything right, I think. Okay. And were you striking the ball well? Yeah, yeah, pretty well. Uh, the The numbers were good, apparently. And I went for some blades and yeah I, I was very hesitant to go for blades but the the fitter Kane from Honma who was absolutely brilliant said I'm probably good enough to hit them so if anybody what? ever says like what have you got those irons for I can always say uh, I'm, I'm allowed to hit them. 
Well, hopefully that fitting was a catalyst for success in the club championship. Look forward to hearing about that next week. Yeah, we'll see. Um, right, should we talk about some golf? Let's. Very exciting finish on the PGA Tour, as you said just then. Yeah, uh, John Ryan won his fifth PGA Tour title at the BMW Championship with an amazing 64 on Sunday. It looked like he was going to win in regulation, but then Dustin Johnson hold a 45-footer double breaker uphill, downhill on the 72nd hole to meet him in a playoff. Then Ram just came back and hold a 66-footer. Uh, yeah, to win, it was just absolutely incredible, wasn't it? It was amazing to watch. And What was funny about it, I thought, was that I was monitoring the leaderboard in the pub and after about 14 holes of the final round, I rushed home because I thought it was going to be a brilliant finish. And then regulation was actually fairly dull up until Johnson holding that part. And in a million years did I not think he would he would knock that in. It looked like the most impossible part you could possibly give yourself to try and play your way into a playoff. And then it was funny, just because he'd hold that when Ram was standing over his part, I did pop into my mind thinking, wouldn't it just be crazy if he managed to do this too? And <laughs> one of those great parts where it just gets over the ridge and then moves towards the hole and you can just see it edging left and it was in. Both of them were in about five feet out. It's just tremendous viewing. And I was watching it with my flatmate. Sometimes I subject him to golf, even though he's not a golf fan. And he watched the USPGA with me and really enjoyed it. And then I, I made him watch this event as well. And he genuinely jumped off the sofa when both of those parts went in. It was incredible viewing. Yeah, it, they were parts where like, if you if you hit them any softer, they wouldn't have got over the slope. And yeah, if me and you were in those parts, we wouldn't have got them to the slope. Yeah, and, and they basically hit them at perfect speed and they still would have gone eight foot past probably. So it just shows you how difficult they were. And yeah, it was an amazing tournament and it was so strange to see DJ obviously won by 30 under par the week before and then just seven days later the winning score is four under after, yeah, just uh, quite an easy Sunday compared to the rest of the week because John Ryan was six over after two rounds and came back to win at four under, so an amazing weekend from him. And yeah, I think what was good now is a slightly new John Rahm as well, which I think bodes very well going forward. Rahm typically struggled on the tough golf courses early in his career, possibly because of his kind of attitude and temperament, and he's quite a fiery character, isn't he? Um, but now he appears to be obviously one memorial a couple of months back in impressive fashion on a difficult golf course and shot 10 over over the weekend here on a very difficult Olympia Fields too. So hopefully we're seeing a new John Rahm, a more patient John Rahm, and obviously that's going to bode very well for the majors going forward because obviously they're, they're the events where you really need to be in control of your temperament and not let things get away from you. So Rahm, for me, is now a serious contender for, for next week's US, sorry, for the US Open in a couple of weeks, not next week. I mean, he was anyway, but I just think given his newfound ability to play really well on tough golf course, I think he's possibly the man to beat. Yeah, um, 10 under, of course, on the weekend you meant there, not 10 over. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great seeing a difficult golf course, I think. These guys are the best golfers in the world. They should be, you know, playing on the hardest golf courses in the world. You wouldn't see one of the world's best skiers going down quite an, an easy ski slope, would you? They always go down the toughest slopes. And uh, yeah, I thought it was fantastic to see how the cream rises to the top on a golf course like that when it's not just a birdie fest. I thought it was really interesting club selection off the tee as well. I know I mentioned this after the USPGA. Just even with thick rough, everyone's still hitting drivers down there. There's very few long irons and fairway woods off tees, which I just think is, I suppose, symbolic of a new approach on the PGA Tour these days. But I don't quite understand it, to be honest with you. No, yeah, you are right there. You see Hideki Matsuyama, I saw him hit two or three iron off the tee quite a lot. But no, DJ and Ram, they just bomb everything, don't they? 
because it's much it's with with the, the the pins tucked away and fast greens and thick rough it's much easier to get it close from 200 yards in the fairway than it is from 170 yards in the thick rough especially if you short side yourself you've got no hope i mean look at the shots that ram and, and dj hit on the, on the 72nd hole in the playoff i mean they were only able to get it to 45 feet and, and what was it 66 feet because they're out of position uh, i just thought the club selections of tees for the most part were very strange but hey if you can knock in double breaking 60 footers like that then it's not really a problem i suppose yeah definitely so dj is first in the fedex cup heading into this week's tour championship and ram is second so hopefully we can see those guys fight out at east lake this week um let's look back on the belfry as well it was the uk championship the finale of the uk swing uh six events now in england and wales i think they've been brilliant and rasmus hogard finished off a brilliant swing where i I think his worst finish was sixth in about four events. Uh, he beat Justin Walters in a playoff. The 19-year-old becomes the second teenager in history to win twice on the European Tour. Who was the first, Nigel? Do you know? The first teenager to win twice on the European Tour? Yeah. We will say, I believe the answer is Matteo Manassero. Oh, yeah, correct. Well done. So, yeah, hopefully Hogard doesn't fall off the rails like uh, Manassero did because, yeah, he looks... A phenomenal player. He looks a complete player, doesn't he? I mean, his statistics off the tee are very strong. And most importantly, I think he has that intangible quality of being able to deliver his best golf when the pressure's really on and, and really rise to the occasion. And that bodes very well for European golf going forward. You know, I think he's going to be a stalwart of our Ryder Cup side for hopefully decades to come. And hopefully his brother then realises his potential too. And then we can have them playing in the same four balls and foursomes groups and groupings for the next 10, 15 years and hopefully ushering in another another or continuing the current era of uh, European domination in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, hopefully. I think his brother Nikolai was actually higher rated before they turned pro. So, yeah, expect Nikolai to, to win multiple times as well. But it was just a phenomenal performance. I think he had two birdies and an eagle in his last five holes. As a 19-year-old, just... Yeah, it's insane how there's just nothing that phases him. And his golf swing is absolutely beautiful. Just a, a stunning rhythm. All the angles are good. And yeah, I think the European Ryder Cup team will be very happy to have him over the years. Tough tough break for Justin Waters, wasn't it? Although it's nice to see him actually competing and doing well in an event that's not to save his card because generally he produces his best in the last event of the season to just about stay in the top 115 and... Tough break making triple bogey late in the front nine, wasn't it? But bounce back, steady the ship fairly well from that. But I think all in all, he'll be pretty happy with that week's work. It must be his best finish on the European Tour for quite some time. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible um, seven he made. I think he carved it miles right out of bounds and then missed two or three footer for, for double. And ultimately, that's what cost him. So, yeah, the, uh, the harsh realities of winning on tour, like the, the fine margins. So also last week, there was a lot of controversy on social media with Sofia Popov uh, not getting a five-year exemption on the LPGA Tour because she was not a member at the time of her Women's Open victory. She's also not in the ANA Inspiration as well, which um, does seem a little bit ridiculous. And it really seemed like the LPGA were going to turn this around because the likes of Poulter, Fleetwood and many other professionals and media people were very critical of the uh, the whole situation. And in the end, Mike Wan from the LPJ Tour basically said that they're going to start and end the season with the same rules and they won't make any exceptions for her. 
So, yeah, a bit ridiculous, do you think, Knight? I thought it was a bit ridiculous. I mean, he went out of his way to produce these statements when it would have been, in my opinion, far easier just to admit one more person to the field and give one more person a five-year exemption. It's not as if she didn't earn it. And I understand maintaining the integrity of competition and starting the season with the same rules that you end them. But this is a major champion now. Is if you can't find one extra slot in the field for a major championship. You want the best players playing in all your major championships. And she is one of those now having won the Women's British Open. I thought it was very strange to come out in semi-hostile fashion and defend his decision when it would have just been far easier and, in my opinion, the right thing to do to grant her that five-year exemption and to just allow her to play the, the ANA inspiration. I don't quite understand it myself. Yeah, I completely agree with you. A lot of people were praising him for his communication and you, you've got to say he did communicate very well. It, it They responded very quickly to, to the outrage on social media and you have to respect his decision, but, yeah, it's probably the wrong decision. Uh, on that point, though, you are right in praising him for that because it's very easy to just hide behind a uh, hide behind a typed statement and email that round. So to front up by that and explain his decision showed a good deal of transparency. I just think in this case it's probably the wrong decision. But I'm not the commissioner of the tour, and, and he has much more experience than me. So I suppose you have to respect him for his decision. But it's probably not the one I would have made in his position. No, I think a lot of people will agree with you there. Um, also last week, Roy McIlroy announced he is having a baby daughter very soon. This came completely out of the blue after Steve Sands on the Golf Channel uh, broadcast announced that it, it was imminent. So Rory's decided to keep that a secret and who knows when very soon is, but it does sound like it is very soon because he's worried about pulling out the Tour Championship this week. And obviously with majors coming, it may be difficult for him to play in those, so yeah, congratulations to Rory and Erica for that. And future US Solheim Cup star, you would think, because she's going to be born in the, in the US with a US mother. So it's a controversial one for the future, perhaps. Mm, quite possibly. But in my opinion, this could be a good thing for McElroy's golf on the course because he's going to be so distracted with things at home and obviously his focus is going to be in a different department that it might allow him to play that more relaxed, carefree golf on the course because he's focusing on other more important things away from the course. So it might work out like that. Of course, the other side of the argument is he might be knackered the whole time and just perform poorly. But I suspect this might not be a bad thing for McElroy on the course. I don't know what you think about that theory. Yeah, it's been happening for a while, I think, where we've realised that no longer is Rory in his mid-20s like a young man. He's he's really grown up now. And yeah, he's becoming a man. We've, we've seen that he's been planning for, for children for quite a while because he, he obviously pulled out of the Olympics uh, four years ago because of the Zika virus and he wanted to have a child soon so yeah this is his new the new phase of his career I guess and it should make him play well you would think because something has not been right the last few years it's been six years without a major and perhaps yeah this will give him that added extra that he needs the added extra that he needs to complete the career Grand Slam in November yeah, could you imagine that? It will be the thing that finally makes him get that get over the line in the, the career Grand Slam. Who knows? Remains to be seen. But I think he will come into those majors now with carefree golf. He probably won't be able to do the preparation that he wants to. Um, but the other side of that is that maybe he won't get caught up in too many technical thoughts and he'll just go out there and play some free golf and maybe revert to how he was when he was a younger man because he just doesn't have the time to put in on the course. Who knows? It could work that way. It could not. This is all conjecture. But I'd love to see him do it in November wouldn't it just be very fitting after six years and a change of date for the Masters with all the attention he gets before April? Wouldn't it be very fitting if he did it in November? 
Yeah, yeah. We wish McElroy luck with that, definitely. Right, so moving on now, we um, we spoke to Jeremy Tomlinson last week, who is the CEO of England Golf. This was after figures came out that England Golf has received over 20,000 new members since golf resumed in May. So obviously it's been a, a fantastic time for the game in this country and uh, we wanted to hear straight from the horse's mouth. So yeah, here is our interview with Jeremy Tomlinson from last week. Enjoy. Hi, Jeremy Tomlinson, CEO of England Golf. Welcome to the clubhouse. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. I mean, <laughs> the last couple of days I've had, had uh, a few too many Teams or Zoom meetings for my uh, for my liking, but it's been it's funny. The moment I come back from Woodhall, it, where I'm enjoying actually having some interpersonal contact again, it seems to be everything goes to this intense world of Zoom meetings. So uh, yeah, so I'm but I'm fine, thank you. Oh, good to hear it. Um, yeah, so for people who don't know you, you are you're fairly new to the role, aren't you? And you've had um, obviously a long career in the golf industry, working at Callaway and Titleist. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, a quick resume would be um, I started this job uh, actually on my birthday on the 6th of January this year. So I, I'm now sort of just coming up uh, eight months in the in the role. It, uh, it feels like a lot longer having uh, experienced what we've experienced this year. But but that's that's what it is. Um, before that, I'm actually in my fourth decade of working in uh, in the golf sector, um, certainly through the 90s. Uh, and and then um, later through 2010 through uh, sorry 2009 through 2018 I worked for the Akushner company which was with Titleist and Footjoy. I worked for Callaway 99 through 2007 and have my own company uh, between uh, 2007 and 2009 a company called JamGolf.com. So um, I've been in the commercial uh, side and the branded the, the, the branded side of uh, of the golf industry. All right. Uh, yeah. So I like to congratulate you on i think the brilliant work england golf has done this year especially during lockdown uh, with all the daily updates and you know working with the government it must have been um, quite an interesting few months thank you for, for those kind supportive words um yeah it, it's been a real baptism by fire and um you know i have to commend commend my team because obviously i i came in there are things that I've, i'd like to think that i've learned very quickly uh, but at the same time i couldn't have been able to do it without a great team behind me and um and also of course the other organizations within within the golf industry that we've been working with through the uh, the appg which is the all-party parliamentary golf group um where we've tried to bring um many organizations within say within the golfing world uh, together to act more as one and, that, and that's worked really well but uh Certainly, it, there's a lot of work. It's been interesting working direct with government as well. Um, that's been new, but it's been great because I do think that golf has come out of this. We have managed to come out of this in a really positive way. Certainly working with the other home nations and the um, the RNA um, with regards to the uh, uh, the proposal for golf coming back to playing golf again, that has been held up as an example to other sports. So that's been fantastic. That that really has been a great experience. But uh, yeah, the governance bit—it's it's interesting. It's new. My learning curve continues to be steep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so when like Boris Johnson was announcing that you were allowed to go outside and meet someone from another household, did, did you know that was coming, or was it sprung up on you? Um, it's it's inter been interesting actually through my dealings 
and, and certain contacts through the DCMS, there were certain things they were able to give us a little bit of heads up that things were going to happen. Um, and certainly with regards to the return to golf, I did have a couple of hours that I was aware of what was going to happen. They did share that, but um, which was great. That meant we could we, we could at least get some of our statements sorted, you know, and, and I think, as you may remember, going back to May the 13th, we literally had, I, I think the announcement was made on the evening. In fact, I know it was made on the evening of the 10th. And um, we literally had, I think, 48 hours for, for, for the golf industry, for the golf courses, 1,800 golf courses in England to be opening up again. And I have to say it was an incredible job that was done by all of those golf clubs. Well, in fact, there were about, it was about 75% opened up within 48 hours. So a great job by general managers, professionals, greenkeeping staff, committees, volunteers, just just outstanding. So um, yeah, that's but we did have a little bit of a heads up, but nothing major, no, no, no long periods of time. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, in a way, it's kind of been a bit of a blessing for golf clubs. Like um, the, the main reason I would say is just introducing online booking systems, kind of modernizing and, and especially card payments. Like, for example, our halfway hut now does card payments, and I think that's really going to help with the revenues in that area. And then also I've, I've seen that 20,000 extra memberships have been put in place since. So, yeah, would you say it's kind of been a bit of a blessing in disguise from what's been a terrible time, obviously? Yeah, it's, it's always it's, it's always terrible to be able to talk about pandemic as, as coming out positively from a pandemic and, and certainly you know, the whole golf industry has you know, reaches out to anybody that's suffered or has relatives that have suffered throughout this time but the reality with regards to golf is that it has bounced amazingly well golf clubs were shut for about seven weeks but it, it really felt that within that time the majority of golf clubs were able to um, almost regather their thoughts with regards to how they want who they wanted to be coming out of the pandemic and i think the majority of golf clubs certainly in england have been able to do that in a really positive fashion and maybe it was a question of modernizing you, you spoke about your halfway hut you know being able to take cards there you know necessity is a wonderful thing if you have to do it if you're not going to take any money unless you do something then you learn how to do it and i really think a lot of golf clubs have, have, have started to do that and I think a lot of golf clubs have also, out of this, really started to realise that their own their own value proposition of membership. Consequently, we have in excess of 20,000 new members since May the 13th. Now that that's a gross number. You know what that nets out at by the end of the year. I don't know what that's going to be, but it is going to be in the thousands positive, which is fantastic. Um, so I do think out of this pandemic, golf has not only bounced really, really well with regards to perception and the way that it's carried itself, but I think also an incredible amount of members and new members have come out of this realising that it really is a good thing to be a member of a golf club. Yeah, definitely. Are you worried at all that the bubble is, is going to burst with this recession and, and people being redundant? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I like... I think anybody, I don't take anything for granted. Um, we're worried about, is there going to be a second wave? Um, is that, you know, what's going to happen with, with, with more job losses that, that are on the horizon? But I think, you know, those are things that are out of our control. Yeah. And in the best spirit of trying to look after what you can control, I think that's where certainly we are as an organisation, our counties are, 
and I believe golf clubs are. And the best thing that we can do, whether it be through our membership campaign that I'm sure we'll go on and talk about in a second, you know, which is which which not only looks at recruitment, but it also looks at retention. You know, all golf clubs have a duty of care for these new members now. They've got a duty of care to make sure that they continue delivering on that value proposition, that membership proposition, to make sure that member has the best experience they can. And it really makes people want to stay then and find the money to continually pay, um, you know, their subs each year. Yeah. So so what is going on with membership then, if you can explain? Sure. Well, obviously, we wanted to... um, uh, we wanted to make the, make make use of the here and now, and of course there is an incredible wave of of, of recruitment. As I said, I've spoken of that twenty thousand in excess of twenty thousand new members since May the thirteenth. So we wanted to be able to make sure that on a national basis, uh, golf was speaking uh, to other golfers, to lapsed golfers, to independent golfers that weren't members of golf clubs, and to be talking to them in a way that was saying, look, you can play golf. Um, but, you, but probably the best way right now is to become a member and to, to make inquiries to, to different golf clubs within your area to try to find out what is the value proposition. And, and, and I think in a lot of cases, the people have found out that it's not as expensive potentially as they thought. It is as sociable as they hoped it would be. Um, and that they can, and it is, of course, they can go and compete and they can continue to measure their performance. If they're avid golfers, they can continue to grow with the game. Um, so we brought out this this membership campaign that is designed on a national basis. We promote it, but we reach out to golf clubs and help them connect to that national campaign on in one or two ways or both ways. And one is recruitment. The other is retention. If they're a golf club that continually need more members, then they can go down the recruitment, the membership. Give it a shot, making use of those logos, those taglines uh, and that branding. But likewise, there are now golf clubs we're hearing that are full up that need to continue to work on their retention, making sure, as I said, that they continue to deliver on that membership experience and, and, and make it make it a no brainer for people who have recently joined to continue to continue their membership. Yeah, like what you said there about being full up. Uh, basically, I've got into a new golf group because all my friends are now obsessed with the game ever since it came back in May. Uh, I'm not even exaggerating. They're texting me constantly for advice or which clubs do I buy. Uh, and they're starting now to get a bit fed up with the amount of green fees that they're paying and are desperate to join a club. And the, the ones in our local area are full now. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting situation. It is. It, it, it is a conundrum, isn't it, that, that, that uh, we've been hearing for many years that there have been falling numbers of membership. And I do think... That there are unfortunately that, that that golf clubs there are some golf clubs that that have themselves to blame. It it, it is a real shame, and I don't use those words lightly, but um, but they haven't been taking care of. of the, I keep coming back to this value proposition. When any of us spend our hard-earned money, okay, we've got a choice, and golf. I think it has been those of us that have continually played the game all our lives. It's an incredible game. It, it gives you exercise. It, lo- it looks after you mentally. It's great socially, and from a health perspective, it's it's great from 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 many many facets. But for some reason, it hasn't been able to portray itself in 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 the right way. And I I don't know whether it's because there've been other team sports that have been hit. But the most wonderful thing, as well as the number of new members, has been the age of the new members, and that the yeah. younger fraternity have been able to turn around and go. 
you know what? This really is a good fun game. And you know what? That stuffy old golf club isn't a stuffy old golf club. It's actually quite a welcoming place. And I really, I get fed up with hearing about the old brigade that, that, that are supposedly out there in golf clubs. You know, there's, Golf is, is the same as any sport. No sport is pure, okay? There are there are good and bad people in it, but golf has been going through a change for many years now, and the majority of golf clubs, certainly that I come across and experience, are very welcoming, no matter what your age, no matter what your sex, no matter what your colour. And, and that's an incredibly great thing to be able to say. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's it's got a bad image, golf, but I would say that, yeah, the images have definitely improved. Well, you know what? I, th- I think nothing has been is ever more relevant than now, whether it be from the um, equality, diversity and inclusivity than, than right now. And, um, you know, I honestly think, like I said, I'm not going to pretend that golf is a pure play. I don't believe there's any sport that is a pure play, but... There is definitely a huge change that has been taking place. And uh, and like I said, in my experience, the majority of golf clubs that I go to, if not all golf clubs that I travel to, you know, welcome, welcome new faces, new members, um, visitors with, with, with open arms. And they're just glad to see them and want to help people enjoy the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, another big change coming is, is the World Handicap System in November. What's it like to be involved in that? <laughs> um, well, that was an interesting one to inherit. So, you know, obviously it had been, go- it, it had been ongoing for, for a, uh, a reasonable uh, amount of time before I came in, but I've come in and I've picked it up and I've learned about it. Again, it's an incredible amount of work. And, and outside of, of safeguarding and, and safe golf, which is our number one priority, as you'd expect, to make sure that everybody has the safest environment to play the game in, you know, WHS is certainly our operational priority um for this year of november the second is is the date is the start date that that is loom ever looming um and there's 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 a lot of work to do i think we're well on our way we like to think that the development in the background is is there i think that it's going to be really really good from the integrity of the handicapping system we're moving from having 1800 which is the number of golf clubs in england uh, different calculation hubs four handicaps to one. And, you know, I think that's got to be a really good thing as long as we make sure that hub works. And that single hub, of course, resides with England Golf. But what it means is, is that there is going to be like that real, with only one unique uh, calculation hub, one unique library for everybody's handicaps, it does mean that the integrity level gets even deeper with regards to people's handicaps. They they really are a true reflection on their ability to play the game. And of course, as we all know, they're part of our identity as a golfer invariably. Yeah, yeah, definitely a a status. Uh, So, yeah, we'll talk about your esteemed golfing career, I think, a bit. But obviously a very good amateur player yourself, been playing for a long time. Do you genuinely get excited about the world handicap system? Do you think it's an improvement on what we've already got? Uh, yes, I do. And, I, and, and like I said, the, the main reason, I honestly believe, is the integrity of it. I do think we're moving to a, a lot better system with one, not only one central database that, that actually does, will carry um, people's real handicaps, but also, as I say, that single calculation hub so that a handicap, you know, isn't going to be in question. And with regards to how, how that works 
on a day-to-day basis, people going out. I, I do think forever and a day we've spoken about is one course harder than another? And, and should somebody's handicap be able to reflect that? And, you know, a handicap is there. People forget. They Sometimes people get so carried away and they think that a handicap is just for competition. But it is a measure of your ability. And it should also be there as part of, of helping you enjoy the game. You know, how did I do today versus, you know, where I've been in the past? And and I do think, um, especially with the new course ratings, I, th- I, I honestly believe that it's going to be there to help people enjoy themselves. Oh, great. Yeah, hopefully. I think a lot of golfers are, are set in their ways and we, we know the Congo system very well. But yeah, it should it should really be good. I'm looking forward to it. And do, do you think people's handicaps will change straight away? Well, the, the, there is a new calculation system. As, as you know, it's going to be, you know, out of your last 20 scores, it'll be your, an average of your best eight. If, if you haven't got that many scores, don't worry. There is a that, that there is a, a calculation um, that, that will be put in place to, to take account for the number of scores that you've got. Um, I think some people's handicaps will change. Um, but, you know, I, I think let's let's see. Let's let's wait until we start rolling it out in, in, in November. I'm sure there'll be an appropriate amount of questions then that we hope to be able to answer for everybody. Again, um, Elliot, I'm sure you're aware. Obviously, we have the, the Know Your Score campaign, which is our education campaign as well. I must mention that, obviously, because that's going out to all members and golf clubs and counties. So uh, and please, if anybody needs to double check that, then, then please come onto the England Golf website um, where, where they'll be able to find details on it. But there is an education process uh, and campaign with regards to the new system. Yeah, great. Right. I want to talk about you. Because my editor, Mike Harris, he said hello, uh, <laughs> and he hopes you're well. And he told me that you played in the Senior Open a few years ago at Royal Porth Cool. Uh, please, likewise, pass on my, my kindest thoughts to Mike. Um, uh, talk about a passionate golfer. I hold him in the highest esteem. Uh, I did. It, it was def- most definitely one of, if not the highlight of, of my golfing career. I, I qualified at McInnes. And I played in the Seniors Open at uh, Royal Porth Call, and I had my eldest son on the bag, Charlie, and, and he was with me through qualification all through the week. And uh, it was just the most amazing experience. And bearing in mind, I've spent my life working for such incredible brands, golf companies as Titleist, Footjoy, Callaway. Um, so I've therefore, I've had the, uh, um, the experience of being able to mix with a lot of the world's best players at different championships to actually be in the locker room with them with yeah. the likes of Alatha Bell, Tom Watson, Ronan Rafferty, Ian Woosnam, Fred Funk, um, Davis Love, uh, Nick Faldo, some of those names. It was incredible. And I was, to be honest, I was pretty dumbstruck. So I spent my whole time watching my son walk around the locker room, just chatting to people and which was great. I was just people watching. Uh, who, who did you play with? Um, well, I actually played. I played in, in the practice round. Um, I actually played a little bit with uh, David Guilford, Scotty McCarran. Um, I played a couple of holes with Alathabal, um, a couple of other guys. It, it was brilliant. In, in the actual tournament itself, I played with a couple of lovely gentlemen, one from uh, Scotland and one, and uh, both qualifiers and one from America. So, uh, and unfortunately, I got blown away that week, but nothing will replace that. And to go through it with my son. You know, and again, such a huge part of golf is that family connection. It, it was wonderful and it will always. Uh, and I had my my family come and watch me. My closest friends come and watch me for the two days I was there. 
um, it was just the most fantastic experience. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I, I bet. A dream come true, I guess, and playing in front of galleries. Were, were you very nervous then? Um, I think I was on the first tee, which is quite weird because they were my best shots. Um, but I, I suppose I, I didn't really, it became a bit surreal and because the weather was so bad, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. Um, but it, it was just, just a fantastic experience. And my, and my uh, you know, heads, uh, uh, um, hats off, you know, to, to the European tour and the RNA running the event. It was just fantastic. So, so you must have won some club championships down the years. Yeah, I think I'm about six. Um, wow. I suppose my claim to fame was I've won one, I've won at least one in my twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. So okay. I hope to keep going to my sixties. Um, yeah, I love playing golf at Marlborough Golf Club. It's it's just it's a nice members club. Um, I've been there I think circa thirty five years. So um, I've got a one of the wonderful things about this role was being able to. I've enjoyed golf. I started when I was seven years old. I've been fortunate enough to play to a reasonable standard. I played for my club, my county, my region. Uh, I never got good enough to play for England, which was which was a real shame. But uh, but I've had that opportunity and it's wonderful. I've had my commercial experience mixed with my passion for the game and I'm now learning about the governance of the game. So hopefully it's it's going to make uh, I'm able to give back. Um, and that that's that was my intention in taking the role. I'd really like to be able to not only do a good job, but really give something back uh, to the game of golf that I love. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, England golf, I think are doing a great job. We obviously had Women and Girls Week last week. So I think the female side of the game is something that we can really improve on and, and it is improving. So that's great to see as well. Well, last week, uh, my team, you know, Lauren and Tony, I was... Um, blown well to be fair blown blown away but but just really impressed with the way that they went about that the, the, the whole week there was something different every day every day had a theme and you know what quite rightly but I have spoken to them both and with a smile I said you know what the hard work starts now because you set the bar okay and certainly from my perspective equality is a huge part it's something that we have to get better with um, but we have to do it in the right way um, and we have to make we have to do it in a way that embraces women, embraces girls, uh, embraces senior senior women. But we want to do it in a way that is inclusive, so that they feel truly welcome to come to golf clubs. And uh, I think we've got a long way to go on that front. There's about 15% of membership um, are, are female golfers, and we want to grow that number. But like I said, I don't want to do it just for the sake of growing a number. I'd like to do it because we're doing a lot of really good things in the background that genuinely make uh, make women and girls feel like like going and playing golf and joining a golf club is a good thing to do. Yeah, brilliant. Well said. Right, Jeremy, I think we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed our chat today. Good man. And um, yeah, good luck with England Golf in the future and just keep up the good work. Thanks, Elliot. So that was Jeremy there. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I'd like to thank Jeremy for his time there. He, he didn't have to do that and we spent about 25 minutes chatting and yeah, I found it fascinating to talk to him and about how golf is thriving at this moment. I, I, I found it interesting how he was speaking about not just bringing in new members, but also keeping them. And hopefully golf has kind of come out of the pandemic in a good way in the fact that, you know, it's one of the only sports that you, you could play early on. And also we've, really moved into the 21st century I'd say with things like online bookings 
card payments and um, that can only be good for the future of the game in the country I'd say Nigel. Yeah completely and as I said fascinating interview there and nice of him to give up his time and we really need to capitalise on this momentum now and it seems as if from my understanding of, of how clubs are operating up and down the country that there is the understanding that this is the time to strike and that lots of initiatives are being put in place to not only attract new members but also retain members and make the membership offering as good as it can possibly be so Perhaps one of the good things that can come out of the pandemic is the fact that the sport we all love is is in growth again, which is great to see because it's such a fabulous game with so many physical and mental benefits. So the more people that play it, the better. Yeah, I think the game is in very good hands with Jeremy there. Um, are you still thinking about joining a club? Uh, it's tricky. I, I did think about trying to join um, Dulwich and Sydenham. But it was quite expensive, so I don't think I'm going to do that. And it's just tricky without having a car in, in central London at the moment. Um, so probably not yet. But I'm not too far off rejoining as a club member, I don't think, somewhere down the line. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you better do it soon because all the clubs around us are fully packed at the moment. It's, uh, yeah, it's very different times, but great times, I guess. Absolutely. I'd love to be a club member. It's just not particularly viable at this moment in time for me. There aren't too many golf clubs that I can access around where I live, unfortunately. But but certainly as I move into next year and beyond, I will be looking to rekindle my golf club membership. Maybe at West Byfleet again. Uh, right. Let's move on to the Tour Championship this week. I believe it's a Friday start, so it'll be ended on Monday. And somebody will be $15 million richer after Eastlake. DJ is in pole position at 10 under par. John Rahm is two back at eight under par. Then we got Justin Thomas, one back at seven. Webb Simpson at six and Colin Morikawa at five. Last year, McElroy started at five and he won by four. So you would think anyone down to Colin Morikawa, perhaps Daniel Berger at four, Harris English at four, DeChambeau at four as well has a chance. And yeah, it's going to be a great week at Eastlake. I love the course. Are you looking forward to it, Nigel? Oh, I mean, further to what you say there, I think everyone down to two on that probably has a chance and even the level pars if someone comes out and shoots a 63 or 64 in the first round they're right back in it as well i probably am not going to be looking beyond four under maybe three under for the winner i think three under is probably the cutoff given the quality of players at the top of the leaderboard but for me someone like xander chauflet i know i talk about him constantly he's got a game that's tailor-made for the golf course he's won there before and he's been so unlucky not to win this season so i think he might be someone to watch this week but in terms of the golf course, it's fantastic. I, I can actually say that I've witnessed the event firsthand, having attended a couple of years back. Um, it's beautiful, kind of old school feeling golf course. Very difficult though, for quick greens. The rough thicker than it looks on television as well. So you're going to need to keep your ball in play. And as with all golf tournaments, you're going to need to hold more putts than the other people in the field to win. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting if Roy McIlroy is in the lead off 50 or holes with $15 million on the line. and he's got to abandon the final round with the birth of his baby daughter. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, Xander Schofle at three under does stick out to me. And DeChambeau as well, four under, I quite like that. But DJ has never won the FedEx Cup. And he said that how important this is to him. I think he uh, pulled out of the Olympics earlier this year to prioritise the FedEx Cup. And he does look like he's playing the best golf in the world at the moment. So I would have to be very boring and pick the favourite here, I think. He just looks basically unbeatable. I mean, I, I know he obviously got beaten by Ram, but that was 
a massive slice of luck there. I, I quite enjoyed the the smile that appeared on DJ's face after Ram knocked in that 60-plus footer. He just was resigned to, fine, maybe this isn't my week. But he'll reflect after that and think it's another tournament where I've played very well. I'm in, a be- I'm in better form than anyone else at the moment. I've never won the FedEx Cup. I'm going to be determined to do that for the first time, especially after having been pipped a couple of times in recent years. So it is quite difficult to see past him. But Thomas lurking at seven, Ram at eight, you know, in one hole they could be level again. So that's why this format, I think, is very exciting. And after a number of years and a number of iterations and a number of playing around with it, they finally sorted out a format that works. And I, I can't wait for the tournament. Yeah, I think the format does work as well. And just looking at this leaderboard now, I don't think there's any way it can't be just so entertaining on Sunday. Because even if DJ is four or five clear in the final round with $15 million on the line, you know, we've seen him crumble a little bit in the past. It's not going to be a walk in the park. So, yeah, I I can't wait. Hopefully it's Ram and DJ in the final round going at it. Yeah, I've just got a feeling that Justin Thomas is going to pop up and do something as well. Maybe a yeah. three-way playoff with those three. That'd be good, wouldn't it? What a way to end the season. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? Um, right. So in Europe this week is the Valderrama Masters as well. That's another course you've been to, Nigel, is it? Yeah, I was lucky enough to play Valderrama in ooh, 2014. And it is even tighter than it looks on television. It, it's very sensible in the, in the fact that there's no there's not really thick rough underneath the trees. So you are able to, to hit your ball back out onto the fairway again. But... It's one of those courses where sometimes hitting the fairway isn't enough. You need to hit the right portions of the fairway because they tuck some of the pins and there are overhanging branches wherever you look. But it's just an absolutely gorgeous setting for golf. A very tough golf course. But if you can put it in play with your three-wheel on a consistent basis, then you have an advantage over everyone else in the field. It's very much a find the fairway and attack from there. And if you're struggling off the tee, quite simply, you're not going to win at Valderrama. Yeah, uh, Christian Bezwain had won last year by six strokes. Uh, I think Ram was one of the four or five players in second. So Rasmus Hogard enters this week as tournament favourite, just like he did last week. Uh, likes of Keimer, Sullivan, Detry and Fiesberger, also highly fancied. Um, I think it's probably time for Thomas Detry to win. He looks like a brilliant player, doesn't he? Well, no, he does. And I honestly, I'm surprised that he hasn't won so far in the UK swing. I thought that would be an ideal time for him to notch his first victory. He obviously came close in one of those events, um, finishing second, I think, to Sam Horsfield. He's a quality ball striker, an imperious player, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together for four rounds. And I think he's one of those players that when one win happens, it will be a snowball effect and he'll end up winning two and two or three in quite quick succession. Um, I mean, he's been fancied as a, as a Ryder Cup player for, for a couple of years now. I mean, I remember speaking to Chubby Chandler a couple of years back and he was saying, Detry's ready to play in the Ryder Cup now. He's such a class act. So we just need to see him get into the winner's circle. And then from there, I think he'll just take you, he'll just surge up the world rankings very quickly and add, and add one or two more victories quite quickly, I think. He's that sort of player. Yeah. And if Rasmus wins this week, he's going to be in the top 50 in the world, you would imagine, because he's only 63rd at the moment. And yeah, nine, that's quite astonishing given the strength and depth of professional golf at the moment. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And he's rightly tournament favourite, the, the form that he's in at the moment. And it'll be very interesting to see how he goes this week as well. So, yeah, we've already mentioned Rasmus and Thomas Detry. Who else do you fancy, Nigel? Uh, someone you've also mentioned previously. I think Bernd Wiesberg is looking very good at the moment. He played well at the USPGA. Played some very good stuff last week at the Belfry as well. And I think he's a quality player, obviously, having won three times on the European Tour last season. 
it's about time for him to get back in the winner's circle as well. So I, I'll be picking him this week. Nice. Uh, yeah, I will probably go to the favourite again in Brasmus Hogard. So maybe there's a little double there, DJ and Hogard, to, to boost the odds. You're turning into Tom Clark by just picking the favourite every week, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, Tom is away this week and Sam Tremlett is doing a betting tip. So, for for the full betting guide, head to the website, which is www.golf-monthly.co.uk. So, that is Thursday to Sunday, you know, the regular schedule. And then we have the Tour Championship finishing a day later. So, a uh, fascinating week ahead. And, yeah, that brings this episode to a close, I think. Nigel, thanks a lot for your time this week. Uh, pleasure. Um, yeah, so will you be back next week? Uh, I unfortunately won't be back next week. I will be heading to Portugal on Monday, although annoyingly it's looking like that's going to be added back to the quarantine list now. So that's a shame. Having said that, the weekend that I would have to quarantine is the start of the Premier League season <laughs> and also the US Open. So I, I could pick worse weekends to quarantine over. Um, but yes, I'll be hopefully playing on Tyros Dunes and at Quinta de Marina on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then at Arawira One, can't say Arawira, it's very difficult to say, playing there on Friday as well. So looking for, I'm very much looking forward to A, getting abroad for a bit of sunshine and B, playing some golf with some friends. So I shall report back on that next time I'm on the podcast. Wow, I didn't know you were playing golf. Um, I'm suddenly very jealous now. At 28 degrees as well, somewhere between 28 and 30 degrees all week. Oh, amazing. I bet the course will be nice and quiet as well. It'll be nice and quiet. It'll be nice chance to get a bit of rest and play some golf in, in, in nice conditions. Con- very much contrasting with this weekend where I went to Oxford with a t-shirt and a very light coat because I didn't think it was going to be that cold and then spent <laughs> the weekend shivering. So I'm looking, for- looking forward to a bit of sunshine again. Oh, well, yeah, Nige, um, I wish you luck and, you know, have fun on your holiday. I'm sure all the listeners do as well. And listeners, we'll be back next week. Tom will be back in the presenter seat um, to your delight. And, We'll be looking back on the Tour Championship and ahead to the new season. Can you believe it? The new season that's going to have six majors in it with the US Open just, what, two or three weeks away now. So, yeah, exciting times ahead. Thanks a lot, Nigel. Thanks. Thanks.